This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello there, listener, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Sam. And today, Sam and I have finished the book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and Other Clinical Tales, written by Oliver Sacks. Before this, I was thinking, how would I describe this book? And I have a lot of trouble, so I asked Sam, can you help me? And so now Sam's going to try to summarize what this book is about. Thanks, Nico, for the intro and leaving me with this. It's a, a very clinical book where Oliver Sacks recounts some of the most interesting tales from his time as a psychologist and just the create the, the amazing different things that happen in people's brains for them to still have like a functioning, working, mostly body that seems kind of normal, but some severe deficit or gain in some way that causes them to not quite fit into society. And um, it just goes into all the different types of things that it can happen and stuff that you would see as a practicing psychologist mm-hmm. so it was quite interesting when i read it 10 years ago who was someone who's really into psychology at the time to go into and kind of fits in what we're doing now but it's it's like a little bit too broad and not actually that specific on any one topic so he goes into visual agnosia anti-retrograde amnesia Korsakov syndrome, aphasiacs, agnosiacs, proprioception, autistic savants, Parkinson's, and quite a few other things that I can't say. And I probably got half of those <laughs> things wrong anyway. And <laughs> it's like nice little windows into these people's lives and how they operate and how you might sort of diagnose them and understand them. And for that, it's quite cool. I don't think we have the skills to really explain what each one of these syndromes is like, to be honest, having read this book. But it was really interesting to read. So basically, I thought for this episode, there were a few things that just gave me like interesting ideas for discussions that mm. I was like, okay, cool, I can talk about this. <laughs> and, and it'd be great to see what Nico thinks. And otherwise, I'd be like, if you are really into psychology, perhaps because you're listening to the series, it's worth reading. And if you're not too bothered about the clinical side and you want just specific knowledge about one specific syndrome, it's maybe not quite so useful. Hmm. So one of the first points you made is that it's like almost a clinical study. I felt like the book was written for other psychologists or maybe like student psychologists. Mm. So he talks about a phenomenon, right? Like the title of the book, a man who mistook his wife for a hat. And he then goes into like all of the brain things that happen to cause kind of this. And like he goes in, into quite a lot of detail and uh, uh, like in almost every chapter. So the chapter is like a person that has something. And then he explains what he thinks or what they think that happens inside the brain and like kind of maybe some conclusions. Uh, But like the second part is always like, I always zoned away because I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know how the brain works. I don't know half of these words that he's using. So um, that's what I found the most annoying part of this book or the least. Yeah, it's a bit like a less easy version of like an episode of House where they get like someone with a problem comes into the TV show and then I like, sort of some different things happen and they piece it together and eventually they work out what's going on. It's like a more boring version of that for people who are yes. a bit more actually interested in the science. That's a good one. I would say. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And Perfect. so there's like, I don't know, 15 chapters or something. So we can't really go and explain all of them, but mm-hmm. you said you also had some things that sort of hit you. So I guess we can kind of go into those unless there was yeah, something else. Yeah, let's go. I, I think, 
the main thing that I took away from this was so people that he describes are like seem to be like perfectly rational people that's because of something that goes on inside their brain do like super irrational things so as an example I actually I don't remember the full exact story but it's a guy who like suddenly thought that his wife was a hat while he was yeah. able to see other things perfectly and so it feels like the brain is constantly barraged by stimuli like visual stimuli etc and it does its best and actually it constantly like tries to make sense of it if something irrational actually happens or is a part of all of these stimuli it will still find a way to make sense of it all and so there was a, a woman who could not see things on her right and so mm. she had a plate in front of her so she would eat the left side of the plate and she would not eat the right side of her plate and so what i found like perplexing in that example is like okay if you know that you just never see the right side of the plate why don't you just like i don't know turn around the plate yeah. or like, do something right like or close like one of yeah, your eyes yeah then she learned like if she was hungry that she could probably turn it around but she would she'd only turn it half round so she'd get like a quarter <laughs> and then like she you know if she was still hungry she could turn it some more and she'd get like a, another like half of the quarter yeah. that was left and you're like just turn the full half what's going yeah. on <laughs> so, exactly so my point was because of certain things that happen in your brain you start to see or behave irrationally but you can still be rational in all other things mm. i found that perplexing and it's, it feels like you know our brain is somehow constantly in a fight to make things make sense for us just to not make us yeah. think that we're crazy definitely uh, well I think we spoke about that in like elephant in the brain and other things around the general just drive to sort of make yourself think that you are logical even when you're not and just like the amount of power that goes into working out everything around you is like is huge mm. and you kind of realize why it takes babies so long of being idiots of like randomly sucking on the wrong things and stuff and being able to learn how to walk and stuff and it's like something I've been kind of wondering around is in just generally like walking and you don't really appreciate like the basic things that humans can do that we all take for granted and you look at someone that can do like acrobatics or like sort of next level stuff and you're like holy shit that guy's insane but you're like actually you're kind of 90 percent of the way there in terms of the mm. crazy amount of math that your brain is like figuring out to keep yourself in yeah. balance and if it was like a staircase of like potential of like, you're like just one step away from him on like a really long mm. staircase kind of thing it's not actually like that nuts compared to what you would already do but you just don't really appreciate how nuts the things are that we are doing all the time. Mm, that's so true. We're basically like a machine that has, you know, a neural network that has learned through trial and error. Like, okay, if I move these muscles in unison, I start le leaning forward. And if I move these muscles, I start leaning backwards. And then it takes like a huge amount of trial and error. And that's what we do as kids and babies, right? It's just crawling around mm. and just seeing, okay, I use these muscles. And so at this point, it's literally like, as we call it, muscle memory, where we don't have to think about it. And by the way, this is always something I think about when I, I learn a new video game. So I played a lot of first person shooters in my life and first person shooters it's with mouse and keyboard and you basically you move around with the wasd buttons on your keyboard and then you use your right your your mouse hand to to aim and shoot and then there's a new like in 2010 there's a new genre of, of game or a little bit earlier that came out it was, it was called a moba and league of legends is a moba and league of legends uses the q w e r buttons as like ability buttons and so I never got the hang or it took me super long to finally get the hang of like different buttons to press. And so um like whenever I pick up a new game and it's a first person shooter, like I'm 
immediately at a decent level just because it, it feels natural because I my muscle memory is just so much used to it. if I press this button my character moves forward backwards mm. side uh, and, and sideways but for like MOBAs and their abilities it just like I never really got that muscle memory in there and it's really hard for me to pick up these types of new games interesting yeah I guess similar to like skiing or snowboarding yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. as in you can pick up snowboarding slightly easier if you can ski but it's still yeah. totally weird yeah yeah nice but a good good analogy thanks <laughs> yeah so um things that i something i thought around was the one chapter where the lady she has like this i think it was syphilis that was affecting her brain and it was like changing sort of the way the neurons work and she ended up like really liking her life a lot more because of mm. it was sort of rewiring her to be like more confident and playful and she was like frisky and fun and then she was talking things she's like i feel like my life just started i've actually been able to like actually just go and do things that i would have always enjoyed but just always wasn't that confident for and stuff and it ends up that she she gets drugs to cure her of the disease but the actual permanent changes that had happened in the wiring of her brain stayed so she actually had like a level up and she was really grateful for that because she was worried that if it carried on she'd just go freaking nuts and would just be sort of randomly jumping on people and trying to have sex with them or something but mm. she ends up being very happy but what it made me think around was kind of stuff that we spoke to in kind of like doing Vipassana and sort of you literally just spoke to me about doing like a shroom retreat and like I tried ayahuasca a few months ago that I definitely think were things that sort of just like unblocked me a bit on having a bit more confidence and like the one in the psychopath episode last mm. week where we sort of spoke about okay there are advantages of just not being any scared in any way and just thinking about like once your kind of eyes are open to the advantages of making different choices and not being so worried about this can you change your brain chemistry because clearly things do change it such as mm -hmm. a disease that sort of forces it but what can you do yourself and is it worth taking these drugs to make yourself slightly more silly and uninhibited? And if you do it on a semi-permanent basis, could you end up with the general feeling anyway? Because you just reinforce the fact that, okay, reward, okay, if I do this thing, it's always a good thing. So actually, I don't need the drug anymore to do it because I know that it'll be a good thing afterwards. Mm. Which is sort of things that I was thinking around. And because mm. um, I've been put on ADHD medication lately, but I'm like, okay, so if I always learn to okay, be a bit more calmer, and that I can get my work done. Do I need the medication anymore? <laughs> and probably yes, but who knows? Yeah. And I don't know if that made you think about anything. I'd like to go further on that point, but I wanted to add like one of the reasons why um, you just mentioned that I, I mentioned like a sh mushroom retreat, right? It's like a ma magic mushroom. You go like for three days and then one day you just like sit together in, in a very controlled environment after going through psychological tests and, and with a the doctor there, you take mushrooms and then you just, it's like a, like a, for many people, it's a life changing experience. And so one of the reasons why I'm interested in doing it is I've tried meditation, but I've always feel like given up before the point where it really starts mm -hmm. having an effect. And so apparently like these types of experiences can be a shortcut in getting there. And I'm not really one for shortcuts, although I kind of am, not going to lie. But anyway, so, okay, I'm a, I'm a shortcut kind of person. I'll admit it. So I'm but interested you can, in, in... You can in, work hard as well when it's needed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm down for shortcuts for this. And I feel like taking one of these or doing one of these retreats, that makes me like feel what the end state of a deep meditation is might motivate me more or might me give me something to work towards instead of just like being there and hoping that, you know, something happens to me. And, but I don't even know what's supposed to happen. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's, I mean, this is kind of why I like taking acid or mushrooms sort of semi occasionally. Uh, mm. as in, it just helps 
take you out of your general day-to-dayness and kind of be a bit more like bird's eye view reflective of everything mm. and just sort of rewire yourself like a little bit i feel and um kind of yeah lose a bit of your ego and worry about things which are the things that often hold you back from being a bit more like childish and fun and generally uh, only ever make steps towards being like what the fuck does it even matter like <laughs> in yeah. most stuff and um it's really nice feels like we need to find a book about this topic and uh and cover it there yeah about hallucinogenics and and, and stuff like that there there is a book called how to change your mind by michael pollan that is on acid ayahuasca mushrooms and okay all of this topic you've convinced me we're reading that book in this season as well okay cool <laughs> great back to the man who mistook his wife for a hat okay so i don't know if you wanted to hit with uh, something that you thought about otherwise i have two other things that came up go ahead okay so something else that wasn't specifically told to us but just like was a thought that i had was generally just the variety in brains in the same way that there's other things that are kind of obvious between humans that you can see their variety on. And when you think of the concept of someone who's like a super taster, who has like 10 times more taste buds on their tongue compared to everyone else. So they just like intensely taste things. I guess that's something that just came up as like, maybe there's things like that to do with problems such as ADHD or like autism or just other sort of things in neurodiversity that kind of when you think about it as something physical felt like it made more intuitive sense to me than just trying to say hey your brain is like somehow different because of just being told that a brain is wired differently it doesn't somehow it just seems a bit abstract to me whereas like okay having 10 times more taste buds means you intensely taste that stuff makes more sense to me so i just was thinking yeah is it possible to have similar structural changes in your brain which is why people behave so differently that you have things like additional stuff that he talks about see like deficits and gains is something that is that, like neurology doesn't have a lot of way to describe gains in things they only talk about deficits like you have this loss but there's other things that are like okay you just have more of other stuff which mm-hmm. was i don't know just something i kind of like pondered <laughs> whilst listening and didn't really come to any final conclusions on but i felt like okay maybe i'm slightly wiser than i was before having thought about this Does that makes yes. sense Yes, I like that. And that made me think of one, something that I started to realize by reading these books. And it is, it is around the concept of free will and how much, how we are and what we decide is almost decided by the physical nature of our brain more than thoughts and actions that we, like as a human with agency take. Yeah. And then I think about if you have a person who commits a crime, like some, People that commit a crime are like spoken free because they are like insane, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for, for psychological reasons. And then that got me thinking about like who gets to decide at which point you're like insane because it feels like, um, you know, we're currently reading a book on PTSD and maybe we can continue this discussion there. But sometimes like shit happens to you. It physically changes the way your brain works. And maybe it's not physically, but it's like, you know, the like neuron pathways are changed or whatever. I, I don't know exactly what, what goes on there, but it's something you can't really do anything about yourself. Like you don't have agency over. Then at what point can you be forgiven and helped? And at what point do you deserve to be in prison? Because it's done out of your own choice. Yeah. Great philosophical question there. It's, it's very hard. And I think that's certainly something when you start leaning into Buddhism and stuff and having done Vipassana's. I increasingly feel like I blame people less and less 
for their actions and there's mm. more ways to understand them and that like most people are just doing things that trying to be a good person that makes sense of the world around them up until that point and that there's a way to kind of understand and make them do something that would be good mm. in ways other than just direct punishment sometimes or like just judging people too fast but it's it's hard and obviously well there's like the psychopaths and things that definitely do have intentions of bad things but there are people that also can somehow have the psychopathic brain structure but only use it for good sides of things mm. and i feel that like pretty much anyone that was born genetically speaking however they were could have lived a life where they only did good things if they were like brought up in the right way mm -hmm. i agree totally agree but that actually brings us to well let's go back to my point right yeah so, we think goes know, to the, okay so should we ever blame someone and put them in jail when like yeah. it's a result of their environment and mm -hmm. that we should have given them a way to not do these things going forwards mm -hmm. yes it's a spicy or one. is prison the easy option to try and like beat it into their brains that they're doing a bad thing and that they shouldn't do it anymore which is obviously really stupid because of they just end up meeting more criminals and not having much other stuff to do watching a good tv show called time at the moment about a guy who accident or a not sure. I haven't found out yet what he did wrong. He did some kind of drunk driving as a, and he was a teacher. But then he's just like in mm. this prison with like all these fucking nutters. And it's just like, it's a really good British drama that is really worth watching. And I haven't described it too well, but it's, it's making me think about prison a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I feel like prison is almost a shortcut that society has made to mm. handle people that they don't know what to do in a more sustainable way yeah, with. Definitely. It's, I don't know. I haven't thought about it too much, but I can be a very non-understanding person. I'll tell you when, specifically in traffic. So I don't know, like I... The classic example. <laughs> so when you're on the highway, right? And yeah. you have three lanes and I'm going to describe the correct type of highway where people drive on the right. So excuse me, people from the UK and Australia and so on. So let's say you have three lanes and I'm driving on the, on the middle lane. And in front of me, I see two cars on the right lane, right? And I see that the second car is actually going faster than the first car. So I know yeah. that that person will want to overtake the car in front of him. So they mm -hmm. will want to move left at that point. So what I usually do is I look, I see that and I'm like, okay, can I go to the left? Can I make space for this car in front of me? And if I can, I just move to the left. And that's something like I try and do because I'm like, you know, it's zero effort for me to yeah. go to the left and it avoids them having to like break and stuff. Yeah. And so it freaks me out when I'm like in the same situation, but I'm the car on the right going to overtake yeah. and I want to move to the left. Oh, but mate. there's a guy <laughs> on my left, like on my left and I can't go to the left because of them and they're just too stupid. And I start like, I start like flashing my lights because I actually am trying to anticipate it. So the, anyway, so I start flashing, um, I put on my blinkers, they don't react. And then I really start honking like, dude, why the hell don't you just move your ass to the left? Anyway, so that was a, a slight rant. Uh, my apologies for that. But my point being that I think too much that people or you know, when you kill a man I, for doing this and get thrown in jail, it's not your fault. It's the environment. Yes. Thank you. Sam. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm asking you. But my point is that it's clear that I look at the world through this ego, right? Mm. My ego, myself, and I like kind of expect the world or people to think the way I think. Yeah. And just because, you know, I'm, I'm recording this from Lisbon. I know the last recording we did was also Lisbon, but I'm just here again, not, not still. And so people here, like they don't give a shit about others. And I think there's in other countries, it's even worse, but here it's like crazy. Like people just, they think about themselves. And so I shouldn't be complaining that this stuff happens in Belgium because a lot of people there actually do think ahead and are, you know, like gentlemen or, or gentle in, in, on the road, whatever. And so my point I is, like, being here, I realize... Just as much a feminine that, trait there. 
but uh, anyway <laughs> yeah yeah that's true anyway so just being here real make me realize that like it isn't all that bad and so it's it's again mm. like just a, a realization that i should probably try to look through my own ego less yeah yeah it's certainly there's no point letting it ruin your day or have any anger around it because it's kind of already happened and it's going to happen and yeah you can try and change other parts of how you're driving or something but it's not much you can do about other people you have time to even talk to them i had something similar with i used to get really annoyed when i ran an airbnb people would like completely fill the kettle which takes them an active amount of time longer to fill it mm. to then boil it and then sometimes they even walk out before they even made themselves a cup of tea or they'd make like one cup of tea and you're like okay so you've made like you've boiled two liters worth of water for to use 200 milliliters of it and you just wasted a bunch of power and it's, it was just like just like so wasteful and just pointless and like you could actively spend time waiting for the kettle to fill up to then spend even more long time for it to like boil when you could have just done it way faster and use less energy and then i'd just be annoyed at them for being freaking dumb people that don't know how to like boil a kettle and then came to the conclusion that actually it's no point getting pissed off about it because it may be not a very nice person and there's loads of people in the world that do this and i don't get pissed off every other second when someone somewhere in the world boils a kettle that isn't my one so why am i getting mm -hmm. so pissed off when it's my one and mm -hmm. <laughs> i can at least explain to them the law of thermodynamics and that they're wasting energy and if they feel like changing great if not doesn't matter it's fine yeah fascinating yeah. don't you great um <laughs> so, so this is off topic right but don't you ever feel like you're patronizing when you're explaining that's like the law of thermodynamics to them depends on how you do it <laughs> it depends on what they're doing it for because some people are like yeah well but if other people i don't know if other people want to use it so it's nice to just always make sure yeah. it's full i have a similar thing with like nutrition and food where people mm. like do or eat certain things and i'm like oh if you do this uh, yeah. simple thing you're like this will be way better for you and then you know i've had people look at me and like or, or like get offended kind of because it feels like you know nutrition or food is yeah, something that one of those people... things is once you get into it you kind of forget how much you know or like, it just seems so mm. so easily obvious like most people don't necessarily read the nutritional information on the back of a yeah. thing before they like buy it and i'm like <laughs> what <laughs> who are these people <laughs> and it's most people yeah and yeah when you spent like years knowing exactly what it is that you're eating the idea that some people actually just sort of buy different things and think that like okay, if it says like low fat on the label it's probably good for me is like mm. yeah <laughs> it feels really super dumb to me but like okay yeah. they live a different yeah. life and yeah exactly I just, um, one small anecdote and then maybe we try and get back on topic. I was having brunch okay, at a friend's got place. It's okay, I anything else to say on topic, so it's <laughs> fine. Um, so I was having brunch at a friend's place and we were making eggs and I asked him like, ah, do you have any butter? And they're, yeah, we have butter. It's in the, in the fridge. And I looked and it was not made for milk. And so I was like, do you have butter? And they're like, I, I, it's not butter. Yeah. That, that's butter, right? And then they point to another one and that was another one that was, didn't, was not made for milk. So it was like this fake butter that people, like they, margarine. that they make. I think it wasn't even margarine. It was something else. Like it's super chemical, right? And it was like 79% fat instead of 100% or not like 99%, which normal like cooking oil should be. Anyway, so I was like, well, what the hell is this? I like, I don't know. And then, and then you look at the ingredients and there's like a shit ton of things in there. And I'm like, Ooh, this is bad for you. And afterwards, my wife told me that my reaction was very not civilized because <laughs> I was like, what the, like I looked at them like, what are you saying? Like, this isn't butter. Like, um, very, very patronizing. And, um, I'm lucky they still want to see me today. So, uh, nice. yeah. Yeah. Your wife's great. 
So yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like we don't have very much to say about the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Maybe we can just go into, uh, we can call this a short episode and then go into um, ratings. So mm. um, Yeah, there was something on some drugs that he was speaking about, and I've now forgotten what it was to do with Parkinson's and things, which doesn't help at all because I've forgotten what I wanted to say. Mm. But in general, just like, like I was mentioning, like neurology talks about deficits and not gains. And like, in general, we just talk about neurodiversity as like something that you're losing, but like autism and ADHD does have its advantages, for example. So leaning into those strengths can make you a valuable person, which is nice because everything is sort of diverse. So that was something. Otherwise, yeah, there we go. Mm -hmm. Yes. And maybe attached to that, I think the easiest way to understand this concept is through people that lose your sight, for example. Like if you Mm. lose your sight, your other senses get way better. And so I think, you know, with other aspects of neurodiversity, there's similar things going on where our brains adapt and try to make sense of the world. And that can actually result in heightened, like becoming better at, at other things. And yeah. maybe that's why like a lot of autists can be like these insane mathematicians just because maybe they're very bad at reading emotions and their brain adapted to be very good at reading like more, more static mathematical things. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those are related. What do you think? Um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds they're related. Definitely makes lots of sense. Or whether it's a deficit that's being made up for as in you just have to rely on something else and becomes a strength or in some ways it can be something that you just have an extra strength there mm. uh, as in like but in general as in is one way or the other depending on the, the type of thing that it mm. is and you still have other things that you're yeah working out and assisting could it be okay this is like me way over my skis here so on one hand you have right you don't have eyesight and so your brain tries to make up for it by being becoming hypersensitive with hearing for example mm-hmm. but could it be that you know in a very if you abstract everything away you're brain has like a percentage like level of maybe development it can choose and, and allocate to different mm. parts of the brain and then because of some reason maybe like a neural pathway that that's blocked or whatever some part of the brain becomes underdeveloped maybe because of that your brain's like oh i have okay i would normally allocate five percent power here but i can now just allocate it somewhere else yeah i think again also way over my skis here i think that's like a natural part of the brain that is for processing an idea of what the visual world around you is, which is usually based on mostly your eyesight. And then like the ears not only is for processing like what you're hearing to like understand language, but also you get a lot of like reception of where things are in relation to you. So as in like, no, if you're talking to me from my left or my right, etc., And it's very important in like actual your balance and all that stuff. Cause there was the one example in this book of the woman who lost her proprioception and initially she just looked like she was drunk. She was just falling over all the time. And after a while she worked out how to like balance herself more through eyesight and things. Mm. So I think like there's a natural level of that and there's like just an internal capacity. So if you lost your eyesight, you would start to replace that with other things in terms of just an amount of just general visualization in your brain that's going on. But then there's on the other side, you could have someone with a brain that has like a bigger visual area in their brain in general, or like a smaller or like just has like a complete loss of the visual sense in their field of their brain, for example, and then can't really understand where things ever are, etc. If that mm-hmm. makes, um, I think that's, that's what's <laughs> going on <laughs> in the same way. Like if, you if you're into the brain language. and as, on a professional level and you just pulled out all of your hearers, our sincere apologies. For that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're super fascinated. If we're completely wrong, happy Please to hear us. why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. 
<laughs> come, expl- come explain us uh, how the brain works. Yeah. That was an interesting take. So you want to do ratings? Yeah, let's do that. I like this more 10 years ago when I read it. I think I've read a lot more books since then and have found things that have just overall given me more lessons and take-homes, whereas this was a bit more shallow than I remember it being. Um, so I think I'd give it a six okay. in terms of just stuff I could take home. Also, I did read it the first time, and it might be a book that's easier to read. Mm. And Yes. Yes. So okay. as an audible book, it's not as good as other books, but it uh, might still be strong on the reading front. <laughs> for me, I think this book feels like it's written for people who are like really, really into psychology. Like I'm kind of into psychology, but it was, it was way over my head, this one. So I'm going to give it a three. I think it's a book that I don't see myself ever thinking about in the future much. I don't regret reading it. I never regret mm. reading a book, but it's... um. I guess uh, not, not for me, or at least, well, maybe not at this time. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll get into all of the everything that goes yeah, on. In the I, brain, feel, I feel like it, it touches on lots of things that I would like deep dives on, but it, it was a bit too lacking on any one specific thing. I also recently watched a movie, I think it was called The Father or something, that was about a woman who's looking after her father who has Alzheimer's. And it just, it just it's a really well-recorded movie as it kind of just goes into his brain and just as he like loses track of like time and who he's speaking to and things and the stuff he's concerned about in his wants and he starts off as this like really like bold slightly annoying guy that's like really smart and by the end he's just like this sort of pure like he's just like this little child who just wants his mum back and mm. this is confused but at the world and it's just it's really well done movie but that goes into like some of the dementia and, and Alzheimer's and losses there that this sort of touches on, but doesn't really like fully describe epically deep into that. But I would like, I'd love to read a book deep into that, for example. And it has lots of other things that are kind of, it touches on. And then I kind of forget because we're touching on something else. And I would like more in one specific sense section. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Good. That's it. Right. So, um, good. Next book that we're reading in this series before the one we, we, that we just discussed. What was the one we we're going to read? Um, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan or How to Change Our Mind. I can't remember. Okay. So that's, that's two books after this one. The next book is going to be The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind and Body in the Healing of Trauma, written by Bessel van der Kolk. So that's going to be next. It's about PTSD and trauma and what it does to your brain and body. It's interesting. I'm liking it. And so, yeah, you can expect that episode in a few weeks, depending on when Sam finishes, because he's a slow one here. Yeah. If you're eagerly waiting for us to bring out new episodes, it, it's a... Yeah, I, I'm not, I normally do it whilst I'm running and I'm, I messed up my leg. I, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> running an ultramarathon and I currently am learning how to walk again on the subject okay. of body did amazing things <laughs> okay so, um, yeah all right great. so um let's hope sam gets well soon and uh we look forward to speaking to you uh, in the next episode when we read that book with that we're out and speak to you next time cheers thank you for listening to our podcast if you like what you heard feel free to give us a rating and share with your friends if you'd like to ask us a question or give us a comment feel free to join us on reason reason is sam's startup that is building a social podcasting app It is a place where Sam and I listen to podcasts and share ideas and insights. It'd be great if you would hang out with us there. Thanks again and speak to you in the next episode. Cheers.